You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today, I have Iman Benrawi. She is from Ship Offers. Welcome, Iman. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Maria. Great. So, Iman, um, I want you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself. So, you've been working for Ship Offers for a little bit over a year. Obviously, anybody who's listening who's in supplements uh, or in direct response has heard of Ship Offers, one of the biggest fulfillment companies. Uh, in town, I guess I should say, in the US at least. So can you tell us a little bit about your role there and what Ship Offers does? Yeah. So Ship Offers essentially is a product sourcing and fulfillment company. We've been around for over 22 years now. Um, and my role there is um, a business development manager as well as a manager of partnerships. So it kind of ties in all of the big partners we work with as well as new business and leads that come our way. Awesome. So essentially, if somebody wants to work with ship offers, you are the person they're going to speak with. Correct. <laughs> okay, awesome. So I mean, obviously, supplements is such a big industry. Um, you know, whether it's direct response or e-commerce, I think there's kind of both tracks depending on on who's working uh what they're trying to promote. Now, why is, you know, you guys obviously formulate products as well, right? If, if I'm not mistaken, and you, you do the fulfillment and so forth. So if we focus really on the fulfillment, which is a huge issue, right? Because most of like on the merchant account side, I feel like a lot of the complaints that we see in chargebacks and refunds and so forth is did not receive product or, you know, maybe it took really long and the client, you know, gets their credit card statements like, hey, I ordered this, never got it, you know? So tell me a little bit about why, you know, fulfillment is so important and what you guys do to make sure that you have like some decent delays. Maybe if you could tell us what are decent delays for, let's say, US, Europe and so forth. Right. Yeah. So something that's super important when you're picking a fulfillment company to work with is asking them the average delivery day time transit for each specific geo. So if you're shipping to any US geos, Europe, Australia, whatever, you have to ask them ahead of time to kind of have the marketing created around that. So if your landing page says you're going to receive your product in three to five days, but you're shipping to Australia and the average transit time is eight to 10 days, that can kind of alleviate the back end of receiving a chargeback, et cetera. So I think something that's super important is to be really clear and candid in the beginning when you're onboarding with a fulfillment company and ask that ahead of time. Um, in the U.S., it's usually not an issue. Same with Canada. But as soon as you get into the international shipping kind of zone, there can be a little bit of uh, obstacles to overcome, but nothing that can't be fixed or avoided. Okay. And how about like you were talking about Australia and kind of shipping in outside of the U.S. Do you guys like know which ingredients are able to be shipped. I mean, I'm going to give you an example. So like, you know, like CBD or different types of, you know, things that people are selling in the U.S. are perfectly fine to be sold in the U.S., but then you ship it over to Australia and it's like, no, that's a banned substance. Like, can you guys help with stuff like that? Yeah. So we kind of consult on that, like right off the bat. So if you came to me and said, hey, I want to start a CBD uh, tincture and I want to ship to here, here and here and Australia is on that list, like right away, our team will be like, you can do this and this, but you can't do that. So we kind of work with you and aid in some sort of consulting to kind of avoid that um, before it even becomes an issue. But um, in our pre-approved catalog, it kind of goes over, you know, shipping and 
you know, what ingredients are okay in certain places. Yeah. So a lot of these things are avoided. You know, we've been around for so long. We kind of know how to preemptively avoid any kind of hiccups. Um, but yeah, there shouldn't be any issues like that if you're communicating, obviously, with the right person uh, to kind of avoid those kind of things. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good thing. So obviously not all filming companies are created equally and having somebody who's going to be able to tell you the shipping practices. I mean, I've seen, you know, some of our merchants that are, that are with us, we do a lot of supplements, you know, they, they, they ship 90% is us and then they have 10% just kind of all over the place. And most Mm -hmm. of the time it's funny. Like we've, we've analyzed chargebacks, 50% of the chargeback comes from those 10% of sales right? Because there's shipping issues, there's problems with customs and so forth. And Australia specifically, like is the bane of my existence in terms of like right. shipping, because they just like everything gets stopped and so forth. And, you know, we had a merchant like long, long time ago, a huge, huge, like nutraceutical merchant selling tea. And it's just like a very benign tea. And every order he was sending to Australia was getting stopped at customs because there was a an ingredient. It was just like, some chamomile or something like really like a plant, nothing illegal. Um, and right. that caused the demise of his business. Literally, it was like he, his chargebacks went out of control, didn't understand why, didn't, was not doing anything, you know, malicious to, to, to cause right. this. And that happens. So guys, if, if, you know, don't auto assume that you're selling this in the U S it's all good that you can just take orders internationally. I always tell merchants, you know, try to hone it hone it in, test in the U S and then test other markets. Right. So, um, what, what are your best practices or, you know, for people who are looking, um, to go global, is there specific countries that you're like, Oh, that usually works well outside of, uh, outside of the U S. Yeah. So another thing to kind of touch up on what we were just talking about is if you're launching your offer on a network, you know, ClickBank, Digistore, BuyGoods, et cetera, they usually have a list of countries that are recommended to okay. not ship to kind of like a green, red, yellow zone, um, good to ship kind of iffy, and then definitely don't ship here. And then you can check and unselect what countries you do want to ship to and do not want to ship to. Some vendors are super set on selling to Australia, even though we know the customs can be a struggle. And what you can do is test it and then just switch it off once they're seeing that packages aren't arriving um, in a certain amount of time, which is something people don't really know. But just from being at the networks, it's kind of like a little hack that I still try to practice and teach to other people. But um, in terms of ingredients, anything in our catalog, specifically with ship offers, it's all pre-approved in the US. But then it's kind of, you know, to take the next step, if you want to ship internationally, kind of like look at the rules and laws before you launch the offer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing, and and obviously we didn't mention this at the beginning of the episode is that, you know, you work at ship offers and you're an expert in everything that comes with fulfillment and, and products and so forth, but you do have a history in the direct response space, right? You used to work, I think at Digistore, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So you understand also obviously the, the path of getting these offers live. So in your experience, why would somebody choose a proprietary blend versus something kind of like off the shelf? Is there like some kind of guide that you use to to help people make that decision? Absolutely. So for beginners or people who are just wanting to launch an offer, I see this a lot with affiliates who are like, oh, I see how you know successful these vendors are. I want to launch my own offer. I even experienced people in the industry. I always, always recommend to test with off-the-shelf or on-demand products because A, you're not floating cash like cash flow is not required for inventory. And then B, you can always switch the product. So if you're testing 
I don't know, metabolism and it doesn't convert, you can switch to blood sugar and it's at no cost to you. All you have to do is change the label. Once you've tested a couple of products and you dial in the marketing, the copy, the landing pages, et cetera, you can then kind of hone in a little bit more and then do a custom formulation. But I don't recommend doing that until you've like tested, 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 and then you kind of have some backbone to launch then a custom formula. Okay. Well, a custom formulation. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would guess you need a little bit of experience, but what are, um, if you're selling well, just kind of an off the shelf product is the natural progression to go to a custom formulation. Or do you see a lot of merchants just kind of stick in that realm of like, Oh, these products work and we just continue. In direct response, it's interesting because you see people wanting to launch one of each and just scale it and then move on to the next product. But I'm sure you've noticed this in the last few years, people wanting to transition into more of an e-commerce storefront and build longevity in their direct response businesses and offers. So you'll see people kind of launch, test, and then just keep it going because it works. Yeah. But for the people who want to build kind of a more long-term business, they'll then tweak the formula, throw in a little... Uh, extra ingredients here and there that make it a little more distinguished than the other offers that you see that are just off the shelf formulas. I mean, that's an interesting point that you mentioned is that people are going from the direct response model to the e-com model, which is obviously a little bit more sustainable in terms of, you know, longevity. Um, But there's also, you know, you talk with a lot of businesses. So this is a little bit more of a business question. Is there something that you see that is a common trait in people or or businesses that actually kind of stand the test of time? Yeah, I think a having amazing, amazing customer service and actually sticking to what you're saying in your marketing is just super crucial and important. And the direct response space specifically is so small that if you're not following through on your promises with affiliates, um, partners or anyone that you're working with, your business is not going to last. So I'm seeing a shift in direct response, um, people just improving their business acumen to make it you know, more sustainable, but then also not just cheaping out on the products and cheaping out on the marketing. People are willing to invest a little bit more to make it last a little bit longer, which I think is really, it's been really fun to watch that happen in our industry. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is, um, you know, a lot of people build these huge direct response businesses. Um, and at least on my perspective, you know, we, we see how people kind of transact their businesses. The business has become almost like worthless meaning you can't, it's not a sellable asset. So I have seen myself also like a trend of people trying to start like e-commerce fronts, you know, so they can have like, like some kind of health store and so forth. But is there anything that somebody can do in direct response? You mentioned customer service, you know, is a big one, but is there anything else that you can think of in direct response that can almost like legitimize the business and actually make it a real viable business? Yeah, I think a couple things I've seen people do is add like apparel into their like upsell flows. That way the customers kind of attach to your logo, logo, your marketing, it's in their hand, a t-shirt, a water bottle, things like this or free like freebies in their order. If they spend more than this, they get like a free, I think Organifi did this, like a free frother for the greens or a free smoothie cup for protein. Things like this that people have around the house that kind of attaches your brand to their everyday routine. Um, another thing I've seen is like inserts in packaging. So instead of just throwing six bottles in a cardboard box, doing custom kitting, making the box pretty, making it just very like color coordinated to your business, um, little tweaks like this, adding stickers in there, um, 
just so that it doesn't seem like it's an Amazon box getting thrown on your uh, porch. It's more of like a, some effort was put into it. Yeah. And what are you seeing? I mean, I'm curious uh, in terms of trends, like you mentioned, you know, six bottles. So we went from a couple of trends. Like I've been in the industry for 15 years. I've been, you know, with direct paint at my company for 12 and I've seen these trends kind of change. And obviously it kind of goes up and down, up and down. And, you know, at the beginning it was a lot of like, uh, free plus shipping. And then like, a you know, and then there was like the recurring every month. Then we went to straight mm-hmm. sale. Then we went to six bottles Then we went back to subscriptions. Then we went like, we're just kind of going all over the place. What is kind of the business model of choice right now? And where do you see that going? Yeah, I'm seeing the standard three, six, 12 bottles on the landing page. And then a lot of these clients that we have, or even not necessarily ours, just in the industry are upselling and cross-selling other offers and then just kind of looping it all into one. So maybe they're selling blood sugar on the front end, then they're upselling greens and then their greens is the front end. They're upselling blood sugar. So a lot of these like custom kits and packages where if you want results faster, then add this to your cart to accelerate your results. Um, and then I'm still seeing subscriptions as well. Uh, we also had a lot of free plus shipping in the beginning uh, and kind of deviated away from that. Yeah. But I'm sure you've seen these trends kind of over your time. So it's just interesting to hear that from you as well. Yeah. I mean, three, six, 12, uh, I feel like for me personally, as a consumer, I don't want 12 months of anything. That's just me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like I'm more of a, give me a month, let's see how this works. And then we'll try. Um, but it depends on, on a, on a chargeback or, or like a merchant account perspective, not to be like a super geek, but it does work better when people sell 12 months because somebody gets something, if they don't charge back within 30 days, odds are you're good. You know what I mean? Like it's rare. Somebody be like six months later. Oh yeah. That thing that I bought six months ago, that's got to give that back, you know? So, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's benefits to that, but for, in my perspective, in terms of branding, creating a long-term business, like overselling things, like like a huge amount of product, I, I don't think it's achieving that goal. Like at least- What else have you seen in terms of like chargebacks? Like what's the highest kind of reason people would submit a chargeback in the supplement space? Uh, exactly. Uh, I mean, a lot of them is is like the the biggest reason code is always fraud, unfortunately. Mm. Fraud, but fraud is like a, like a little bit of a net of a reason. Like it's not, you know, people just say fraud because it's the easiest thing to say. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that, you know, merchants are actually frauding or whatever. It just happens that like somebody will not know what to say. They didn't receive their product. So instead of saying product not received, they're like fraud. It's not fraud. Yeah. They receive the product. You know what I mean? Uh, and that could be shipping fulfillment issue. It could be a, a million things. It doesn't mean that the merchant was actually trying not to ship this product or whatever. Um, sometimes there's a customer service issue and they're like fraud. So fraud is like a, a, in the chargeback world, a little bit of a catch-all. Like it just feels like, all right, just put it as fraud. Um, but a lot of the times it's, it's dissatisfaction or they feel, I feel like, you know, when we analyze a lot of these chargebacks, uh, you know, we're not a chargeback company, but obviously when we're selling a merchant account, if somebody has too many chargebacks, that's a problem, right? So, um, you know, when we analyze it, it's it's a lot of people feeling like they were missold. 
Like they, yeah. well, I didn't know I was getting a subscription. I didn't know I was getting this. So there's almost like a lack of clarity. That's what it feels like in certain situations. Um, you know, the hottest seller and the way people make most money and it's not going to be hidden is free plus shipping and a subscription still works, still where people make yeah. the most money, you know? So, you know, uh, although it's, 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 it's easier maybe to, to do that, I think having a straight sale or having some building some kind of brand, like you said, I think is, is pretty, pretty good in terms of longevity, but it depends on everybody's goals. Right. I think even something else that I've noticed since I've started in the industry is on the sales page, that small little checkbox that auto subscribes you that you most of the time wouldn't even see and just getting as many people to subscribe as possible. I, I've seen that kind of change into a more obvious opt-in to kind of refrain from getting as many uh, chargebacks or whatever, if you will. So I see the shift, but there's still that sneaky kind of uh, impersonation people have of direct response for that exact reason, just auto opting people in, et cetera. And I think, I mean, I think it burns the consumer base as well. You know what I mean? After time, customers are just not going to trust merchants in this space. So I don't think it's it's helping anybody to have this. Uh, but the interesting thing, I mean, is that you guys, you know, you have these custom formulations, you have this awesome packaging, you have ways to kind of beautify the package and all this. So there's all these things that you can do that you don't, people would want it. But I do think that as time goes on and you've been in the industry for, you know, uh, quite, quite a time, uh, quite a while. Do you find that things have progressed in your opinion or is it all kind of the same since you started? I've definitely seen it progress. I see a little bit more thought going into every aspect of an offer launch from sales copy to even the labeling. I've seen so many vendors get caught up on, well, I want it to be a matte label, not a gloss label and I want the bottle to be black and now like people are trying to associate the bottle with their brand with the packaging like just going that extra step which before it was like I want to launch an offer in three days here's my label just have some designer put it together slap it on do the integrations and then start shipping whereas now it's actually like there's multiple calls their design team marketing teams on the calls Um, so it's nice to see that people are putting in that extra effort instead of just but people still do the opposite of that. And that's always <laughs> going to happen. But, you know, I'm hoping that the more people do that, it'll elevate and raise the in- industry standard, essentially. Oh, that's awesome. So, I mean, now that we're talking about the industry and people having different, um, you know, different ways of doing things, what are what is the common ingredient or what is one of the most popular or the two most popular things like you're what are you getting the most calls for? Yeah, this year, since I've been at Ship Offers specifically, a lot of focus has been around blood sugar, surprisingly. And I think mm-hmm. the reason that is, is there's so many claims you can make in copy because blood sugar regulates everything, your metabolism, weight loss, your hair, like it just, there's so many aspects you can tie it into and like sell it for multiple different reasons. Um, we launched gummies this year on demand, and we've seen a lot of requests come through for custom formulations for gummies. I think there's so many supplements in everyone's kitchen counter, and it's like there's 10, 15 of them in there, but a gummy is more fun to take. It's tasty. It's like adult candy. Yeah. So we've seen a lot of requests come through for gummies and then also tinctures. So dropper bottles instead of supplements. So I see people trying to switch it up um, or chewable tablets, things like this. Um, and then CBD is also kind of making its way through. We launched that on demand this year as well. 
And people are kind of playing around with it a little bit unsure because in direct response, it's a little bit trickier to write copy for CBD, I think. Um, I would say blood sugar gummies and CBD is kind of what I've noticed this year in terms of industry interests and trends. Awesome. And do you see, um, do you see a lot of people kind of, cause you mentioned like kind of curating boxes and having, um, different, uh, products in a box or in a shipping, are people kind of partnering up or are people or, you know, merchants saying, okay, man, I need six products and this, 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 and that, and you guys kind of do that. Or do you try to set them up with another person that offers something complimentary and then you put it kind of together? Definitely both. I've seen people, you know, here's the front end offer I have. What can you advise me to launch, you know, six other, five other complimentary products to cross sell or kit? And we'll help them with that. Our team is very like resourceful when it comes to giving advice like that. But if there's vendors that know each other that are already, you know, mailing to each other's list for each other, it's like, why not kind of swap and like collaborate? So I'm seeing a lot of that. Another interesting thing that I've seen is adding inserts for someone else's product in your package. So mm-hmm. let's say I'm shipping out my my product. I'm like, I'll throw an insert with a QR code for someone else's product. Um, and then they kind of have their affiliate link on the QR code that's in the package. So it's easy to track, but I've seen those um, kind of increase this year as well. Oh, awesome. And, and in terms of, you know, um, you know, when you're creating the package is adding is packaging like a really expensive endeavor or is the bigger cost the product? Like if I wanted to have a really beautiful box, would that set me off? Like, obviously we're not going to tie you to any numbers, but like, does that increase the cost considerably versus like an envelope? Um, It depends. It really does depend on the size, on the quality. If you want to have it fully colored inside and outside or just the outside, or if you want to add like an insert to like put the bottles in. So when you open it, the bottles are like in place. Either way, it doesn't raise the cost super, super high considerably. I think it's a pretty even and fair investment. Um, And then the first, I'll say this, I don't want to talk numbers, but we'll do the first insert for free. So if you want to put in, you know, a book or a magazine or a piece of paper, we'll throw it in there without adding the cost of it, which I think is nice. And then anything more than that, obviously there's um, fees, but I would say the most costly thing is the formula. And, you know, especially if you're working with higher end ingredients, that's going to be a little bit more costly than packaging, for example. Okay, cool. So, I mean, you get a a good product, obviously, as a base, and then you can beautify it and brand it for not as expensive, I guess, as people think. So that's that's interesting. If I'm interviewing and looking for a fulfillment company, and I have to ask two or three questions, what are the three things that somebody should actually say, hey, you know, do you do this? Or how do you do this? Like, I'm not I'm not uh, fluent in uh, in fulfillment speak. So I'm just wondering, what would be the three things or a couple of things that you should ask from a fulfillment company specifically? Yeah, I would definitely ask for a list of countries that they ship and do not ship to and absolutely ask about complete clarity on timelines and cost. And that way you can get the cost talk out of the way. That way there's no hidden fees. Some fulfillment companies include pick, pack and ship in their prices. Some charge it on top. So just kind of get that out of the way and make sure you know what you're paying for and you know what's included and what's extra because the fees can kind of add up if it's not all included, similar to what ShipOffers does. Um, a second thing I would ask is turnaround time for a custom formula. If you did want to launch that down the line, 
and kind of what that process looks like. And third thing I would ask is how you can grow together and what opportunity there is to create together. Um, Flexible terms, quicker payouts or faster turnarounds, things like this, just kind of the features and benefits that you don't see advertised. I would inquire about that and see kind of what what there's to work towards because you want to build a relationship, obviously. And so it's kind of fun to ask that. I think ahead of time and have something to work towards later on with them. Yeah, for sure. I guess planning for the future, right? Like as you grow, you need to make sure you have a partner that's so you don't have to do integrations again and create new relationships and so forth. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, fulfillment warehouses and, and where things are, are, are placed, do you find, and, and I don't know how many you guys have, but is it important to have a couple in the U.S.? Does it matter? Like, is that something that somebody should be thinking about? Yeah, that's a good question. So we now have two warehouses, one in Denver and one in Nashville. We just opened the East Coast location earlier this year, and it is nice to have an East Coast and kind of Central West Coast location for shipping internationally and for shipping, you know, to the West Coast and Canada. But I think it's not super, super important if they can prove that they can ship you know, in a good amount of time and they only have one warehouse, that's fine. I think the more, the better you have more bandwidth and area to cover, but I don't think it's a deal breaker necessarily if they only have, you know, one warehouse or two or five, because you could have 10 warehouses and have horrible account management, customer service, and a horrible experience, or you could have one and it could be amazing. Okay. So it's kind of variable. So in the US, you're you're saying it doesn't really like if you're let's say we're just looking geographically, you're you're in the US and you're selling to Americans. If somebody has one warehouse, but you kind of prefer them and they have better service and so forth, then that is a better option than somebody who has eight or ten. Yes, generally I would say yes. Okay. That's I think two is the perfect number. And I think one, I, I know smaller companies, not necessarily fulfillment, but smaller companies in general that only have a few, like fewer amounts of locations, but have an outstanding product and outstanding service. So it's kind of the quality versus quantity kind of thing. Okay. Uh, I mean, I take things on uh, another, uh, like just some things that I'm always curious about. You could tell I'm very curious. I, I love to learn about these things because it, it impacts you know, my business, and I think it's very useful for people listening who are shipping anything, right? Or, or everybody's selling something, right? So they need to know right. about this. But the technical side, you know, I mean, again, you know, there's people like shipping times is a big problem, but sometimes, and it's happened, you know, noticeably and different providers and so forth, there's a, a disconnect in terms of an integration and Oh, 1% of orders did not get shipped. Well, the chargeback threshold is 0.9%. So if 1% of your orders are not getting shipped, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? So how do you, um, is there specific tech that you recommend? How do you make sure that like uptime and that orders are being received and transmitted properly? Like how does somebody manage that? If they're, you know, a lot of people in direct response are, you know, a couple of people, company, four or five people. There's not somebody there that can literally check each one. So what are some of the best practices for tech? Absolutely. So we have an amazing, amazing in-house tech team and our VP of tech, I'm going to give him a shout out. Caleb how, like does every single integration pretty much under the sun and he's going to hate me for saying that. <laughs> but 
Um, when we're onboarding a client, we always, always test the integration and do test orders before taking them live. And we can pretty much integrate, you know, obviously with all the bigger networks like ClickBank and Digistore, but then also Shopify, Amazon, you know, we do custom integrations. Um, and so what I think is important is to A, do those first initial test orders, but B, once you go live and have an account manager, we're sending out reports to you daily, weekly, you know, twice a day, we do custom reporting to kind of cross check that everything's being um, shipped out on time and being, you know, talking to each other in terms of the integration. And the sooner you catch the better, but I haven't heard of any, like anything like that, knock on wood at ship offers. But um, I think that's super important. And if your tech's not talking and your orders aren't getting shipped, you're screwed. So having that kind of expectation set up front, testing the integration, doing updated tests and making sure that you're, you know, up to date on your reporting and checking your reporting is also super important to okay. avoid anything like that. Yeah. So you basically check how many orders are shipped, how many orders received. I mean, you kind of have to match these up and if not, then yeah. there's a problem, right? Is there like yeah. a, a, I, I'm assuming there's a big benefit in going with like a, um, like a Shopify or, um, you know, a network, if you're working with a network, is there ever a time that you would say, you know, uh, we prefer not going with a specific software or doing a custom integration or anything like that? Or is it always kind of like somebody comes to you, says, hey, I'm doing this. You're always like, you know, choose a software, that a, a big box software that's out there. Yeah, I've only ever heard in my time at Chip Offers, and it wasn't even a no, it was just like kind of advising against it. And it was to um, a CRM and their tech was a little bit clunky. So for us to integrate, it wasn't going to be 100% seamless. And yeah. we want to avoid any kind of um, mistakes being made. Other than that, it's pretty much streamlined, especially with the networks, especially with, you know, Amazon, Shopify, whatever, we integrate with them as well. But yeah, I've only ever heard it be said once about kind of staying away from an integration only because the other um, receiving end was a little bit clunky, but okay. other than that, yeah. So you guys are pretty flexible. Basically you'll work with whatever kind of setup. That's cool. So that's, I mean, yeah. that, that, that's interesting. Cause I, I usually, you know, one of the biggest challenges that I always face is uh, you know, we have a gateway and, and so forth. And it's like, people will come to us sometimes with these, like most softwares is we support the big ones, but then you have these like lesser known ones and you're like, oh man, he chose this. This is terrible. Yeah. Like, how's he, how are you going to work on this? And it's such a, it's such an effort, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want it to be an effort, but uh, you know, we always try to do what we can. Now I'm curious, like, you know, just about the, the fulfillment process. And then there's also product formulation. We spoke about both back when I started the business, it was like, you had somebody formulating and then you had somebody who was fulfilling. And now it seems like the trend is to have both in one kind of under one shop. So is there a benefit to that you feel, or, or is there a benefit to the other scenario? Meaning, or maybe you could tell us kind of a little bit, your thoughts on each side of maybe using somebody who formulates and a fulfillment company separately or a company that can do both for you. Yeah. So we don't exactly do the formulation in-house. We have partners that we refer our clients to that, you know, you'll say, this is the product I'm looking to do. These are the ingredients I'd like to use. And then they'll come up with the formulation. Okay. The benefit of then running it back through ship offers is we work with over 10 different manufacturers. So we'll then take your custom formula, 
send it out for quotes and then, you know, bring you back the quickest and most cost effective one, which a lot of people don't know, but we don't do the custom formulations in house just for liability reasons and things like this. But, um, what I see is a lot of people in direct response. I'm sure, you know, James Klein, uh, he works with a lot of the people in our space and he does a lot of, uh, coaching and custom formula. I mean, there's plenty of them in our space, but, I recommend going to someone like that and then kind of looping ship offers or whoever back in manufacture fulfillment company. The benefit to doing it through a fulfillment company is it's all housed in one place, meaning you're being billed at the same time. Everything's a little bit more segmented and, you know, under one umbrella versus having, you know, one bill coming in from here, paying this person, manufacturer, uh, fulfillment. And it's nice to just have it under one umbrella pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, if you have a good relationship with somebody who can kind of coordinate all this for you, uh, you know, anybody who starts a business is it's all about efficiency, right? So if you could be efficient and have one person who can give you, you know, 10 quotes of how much this is going to cost you or give you the cheapest, that to me is a winning, uh, a winning formula. So Iman, I mean, you've given us so much information. It is unbelievable. Um, I do want to close the episode with talking a little bit about a recent move that you made. So you went from the US <laughs> and now you're living in Spain. And I mean, this is just something that like, obviously, guys, it's not about fulfillment. We're not talking about fulfillment right now. But I mean, it's just something <laughs> that I thought like when uh, Iman and I connected, I thought that was just like the coolest thing. So obviously, you grew up in the US and you're, you're American and so forth. And you decided just like, obviously, on a whim, but with some decision making behind that to move to Spain which is, I, I feel like a pipe dream for a lot of people. And I hear people say that all the time. So just tell us a little bit about your experience, just because it was so fun for me to hear it. And I'm sure a lot of people kind of think about doing it, but then don't. So give us a couple of like quick, you know, benefits and drawbacks and things you didn't think about when you, when you made this move. Yeah. I mean, it's been a dream of mine to move to Europe for gosh, the last five, six years. And then this summer when I was in Barcelona at a conference and then I went to London after and I was like, that's it. Like I need, I belong here. Like I feel so drawn to being in Europe. And then I went back to the US and had like post-travel depression. But one thing that I would recommend before making such a big move is looking into like all the requirements. Uh, It seemed a lot easier than I thought it was. So like the paperwork has been a hassle and like we had to hire a lawyer and all this kind of stuff to help us out with it but um we're working through it and it'll be fine but um just do your research and don't <laughs> don't be as uh spontaneous as me is uh, my advice but it's so beautiful here i don't regret it uh at all the only thing i miss i was telling someone the other day just having uber eats and costco and just small little delicacies of the US that you don't think you'll miss in and out. Oh my gosh, miss that. <laughs> um, but the flip side of that is I've been eating so much better here. The food here is so much cleaner. I've lost weight. You know, I'm not eating out all the time. Um, the quality of life is so much better. It's a lot slower. I have the Mediterranean down the street. It's just my overall don't make us mood. all jealous. Don't make us I all know. jealous. I'm like, I hate yeah, talking about poor, it. <laughs> poor, poor Iman, you know, she doesn't get to have Uber Eats. She gets to have tapas and like Spanish wine on the beach. Oh man, you know, that right. Uber Eats, that's, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> I'm like, don't make us feel about it. <laughs> no, that's but it's awesome. been wonderful. Thank you for asking. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, and, and a lot of people think about it, myself included, I'm, you know, I have a European background and so forth. My parents are from Greece and, uh, 
it's funny because, you know, like you said, your parents immigrated as well. And my parents, you know, I'm talking to them about going back to Greece and going back to Europe. They're like, hey, it's supposed to be the other way around. You know, like we came here for you to to have a better life and to have all this. But the problem is, at least in my perspective, is that, I mean, I think Europe has got it right in terms of work-life balance a little bit more than North America. Um, you know, like, we work like, you know, Christmas day, like people are still grinding and grinding, grinding. And like, we have partners in Europe and they're gone for two oh, years. Yeah. It's like, Even in the summer, they're like, yeah, gone for a month. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm like, there's like no consequences. Like, well, it's my yearly leave. And I'm like, yearly, like you're, you're gone for like six weeks. What? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I love it. And I think it's, it's great that you did it. And, you know, a lot of times we tend to overthink things and the more you overthink it, like, I'm almost like excited for you that you just went there and you're figuring it out because you are going to figure it out eventually. And the more you thought about it before, it would just elongate the process and probably you wouldn't have done it. That's exactly. You always figure it out as you go. You just have to take the first step. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much, Iman. This was a, a, an awesome episode. And guys, if you want to get in touch with Iman, we're going to have, you know, a couple of her links below um, and some more information and feel free to, to, to send me any emails or any questions that you have about the episode. Thank you so much. I wish you all the best. And uh, we hope to Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once.